Hello and welcome to Around the League from UGASports.com. This is the weekly show where we break down the games in the SEC. Uh, we are on UGASports.com, but presented by Connor Grading and Landscaping. We'll tell you more about them throughout the show, including their fancy new website and their Instagram page. So Connor Grading and Landscaping, get your mobile device out. Go ahead and Google them. We'll show you uh, what they have going on later in the show. And, uh, you know, with cold, rainy mornings like we have in Georgia, you might be needing them a little more often than, than maybe you once thought. I'm Dane Young from UGASports.com. That's Brent Rollins from Pro Football Focus. And as always, the headliner of the show, Jim Donnan, the former Georgia head coach and college football Hall of Famer. Coach, week nine in the SEC. It may not be a lot of games, but there's three or four games that pack a punch here. Got a lot of games that really uh, are going to make uh, make hay for some of these teams. Uh, you know, Georgia trying to stay number one, solidify the East. Um, Ole Miss and uh, Auburn, two teams really looking for uh, a chance to have a big year. And, uh, you know, Vandy and, and uh, Missouri, I mean, uh, both those teams struggling a little bit. And then you got the other game that uh, Mississippi State uh, really – could knock Kentucky off. Uh, we'll talk about it here in a minute. But uh, I know, Brent, you, you've been studying these games. really makes you feel like a lot of things happening here right before November on Halloween, right? It's a, it's, a, it's a fun weekend. I mean, even though we only get a few games, it's still a very fun weekend, especially, you know, Georgia-Florida in the afternoon, Ole Miss-Auburn at night, the Kentucky-Mississippi State games at night. Like, those are going to be good games. Uh, and what's interesting, when you talk about sort of making hay on the season, I went back and looked and just – you know, looking back through everything in the SEC and, and what's going on. Texas A&M is lost to Mississippi State or Arkansas. If they had beat Mississippi State or Arkansas, they would be controlling their own destiny right now in terms of uh, the SEC West. Uh, so, you know, this has just been a almost year. Uh, like Tennessee even competed their tail off against Alabama. That game was a lot closer than the final score. So I think you're going to see three highly competitive games and then a game where somebody actually gets their first win in the SEC. Coach, a lot of these teams coming ooh, off of a week. A little trailer there on Bandy. Watch out. A lot of these teams coming off of a bye week. As a coach, what do you hope to see from your team as they come off a week without playing? Well, the first thing you you always uh, are hoping is your team be a lot fresher. Um, I mean, you, you got to handle that bye week. Uh, with a lot of kid gloves, one thing you, you got to understand that some of these guys aren't ready, uh, and the only way to get them ready is to rest. And it's hard to do that when you got a game each week. But uh, hopefully, you can do that during the bye week, and then train some of these younger players to uh, give you some depth. Uh, you know, instead of just uh, going out there and working on the opponent, uh, which you can do, you can also keep your uh, younger guys out there and maybe have a little more contact with them and see how they do and how much they progress. Uh, now that they've, uh, you really don't get a chance to analyze those guys as much because you're working with your first team, second team guys. So that's one thing. And then, it, uh, then the other is just, uh, you know, get a capsule of where you are during the season. You know, what's one for you, what's got you beat and uh, try to make some mid season adjustment in your style of attack or your style of, defense or your kicking game, just things that uh, have made the difference in winning and losing. And uh, you have a lot more time to analyze that. And sometimes, uh, Brent, you overanalyze and you try to do too much different, but uh, you got to be careful about uh, just exactly where you are and what you're going to do going forward. 
and that's you know, self, the self scouting. The self scouting becomes, I think, a big part, especially that first, the first part of the bye week, the, you know, when you're not playing at all. Where, and, and by the way, we at PFF, like that's something that where we kind of come into play a lot of times, and, and teams want reports of hey, tendency type things, looking at all sorts of tendency data, uh, and you know, I've even done some of those in the past, and it's just teams doing a lot of self scouting on the bye week and where they can you know improve and not show their opponents moving forward. Hey, Ooh, you know, when we're lined up in this formation with this player to the right, we're going that play that way. 90% of the time, like things like that, that you don't really get a chance to see during the year as you're going week to week playing against the next opponent. I must yeah, make a Along those lines too, uh, Dane, and I'll let you jump in there. Uh, you, you really do uh, benefit from self scout. I mean, uh, you come out that next week and do something different entirely than than you do from one formation. But the one thing I've always felt like, if you're a really good team, you're going to have some tendencies because you don't care what the other team thinks. You're going to use your best guys and you're going to use your best people in certain situations. So you're going to have a little bit of a of a, a misnomer there on tendencies because really, uh, uh, I agree with you 100 percent that you know study your tendencies, but Hey, if it's working for you, I don't care. I don't care if the little old day, lady from Pasadena knows that you're going to do it. You, you need to keep trying it, you know, and working it because until somebody stops it. But I, I really believe that uh, a team that really studies you and, and plays the percentages can really benefit from that, even if they're outmanned a little bit. They just take a shot at that, at that tendency and they go for it. I must make a confession that Jim Donnan is better at this than I am. And here's why I say that. At the beginning of this show, I'm sitting here spinning the plates of let's share this on the dog van. Let's let's put this out on Twitter. Let, let's get this out there. And Brent drops a beautiful little tease about what he's going to talk about with Vanderbilt. I barrel through it and, and try to ask my next question to coach, but he seizes on it and, and has the first rule of any interviewing or broadcast. <laughs> and that's listen. And I didn't do that. So coach, thanks for being better at this than me. Hey, you're the, you're the guy over there in the Grady College of Journalism. We're just hanging out trying to, first of all, get on the broadcast, which takes me three days and 14 nights to figure out how to do it and then uh, then try to get through without our internet going down. But, uh, you know, I really have enjoyed uh, the interplay we've had with each other. And, you know, people actually uh, have talked to me out in public about, about the show, which uh, – that goes to show you that they're, they're watching it. And, uh, you know, I think it's good that we can talk about the other teams. Uh, obviously we talk about Georgia all the time with all the different things we have on this network. But, uh, uh one thing that all three of us try to do is look around the league and, and, and get an idea because those are our opponents. And also it's fun to uh, check them out and see some of the things they're doing. I mean, we're football junkies. We like to watch what they're doing. And, uh, and of course, uh, coach uh gets all these plays that he he runs anyhow with his uh his junior team and they do a good job with it they they got more formations and plays in, than Vanderbilt I've, I've been hearing some of that action uh when y'all play at North Oconee Brent I, I get yes. to hear it from my backyard yes last Sunday night we had a game took care did, of business I was about to say did you win that's the important yes. part yes took yeah, care of business they, they got a dominant force over there. Their only thing that hurts them is when they outschedule it. I mean, they, they, they can't get anybody to play them, so they play these other uh, 
older guys there that uh, have reached puberty and some of your team had so uh, that's that's always it's a big difference in our world that's a it makes yeah. a big difference sounds like you need well, coach say, athletic director let's get talking about some of these games here because i know everybody's anxious to hear what's going on three o'clock on the sec network not the best timing to get eyeballs on it considering what's going to be on cbs virtually at the same time but three o'clock eastern time missouri at vanderbilt brent i'll just start with you because you were beginning to drop a bombshell and i'm ready for it well i mean one of them by the way it's not just vandy getting in their first sec win it's one of them both of them are over for the sec right now so whoever wins this game uh, is getting their first sec victory but if you're vanderbilt like this is the game for you. you you almost got south carolina but this is the game because of you know what missouri is and how bad they are defensively uh, Mike Wright's come in and you've know, done a few solid things for you offensively at quarterback at the quarterback position. But if you can't do this one, sorry, Vandy, you are you're finishing out your schedule with a lot of L's. I mean, I think that's probably what we think is going to, to happen is there's going to be a lot of L's. Why are you seeing is it because of the defense at Missouri is just giving up yards to anybody and everybody? Yes, basically. But, you know, from Missouri standpoint, they've now had a bye week. Can you actually look competent on that side of the ball after the bye week and self-scout and really try and improve, maybe move some guys around uh, in terms of personnel? Can you do something to, to get some consistency on that side of the ball? Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing with Missouri here is just uh, their talent level defensively uh, has really diminished. Uh, one thing we were always – uh, over the last five or six years, uh, Missouri always had some of those defensive linemen that just, you know, everybody wish they were playing with. And we just haven't seen much domination by their defense up front and very poor tackling team and giving up a lot of big plays. And, you know, I thought when we watched them play Kentucky and, and Brent and I were talking about it, I think we were doing the watch along show the, the next week or something. You know, hey, this Missouri team's right there, you know, but we were basing it on the fact they're, they played with Kentucky, and, uh, you know, I, I think from my standpoint, uh, Clark Lee's doing a good job with what he has at Vanderbilt. I mean, he didn't inherit much. I mean, he's a guy that knows the situation there. He's getting the program going as good as he can. He's getting some more money from the administration to uh, increase facilities. But uh, it's just a – it's not a dire situation, I mean, but uh, I don't know what the word would be. But it, and it's one that, uh, you know – He's been very competitive in, in some games against teams that aren't uh, that talented. But when you look at the fact that they played four games and got 20 points or less, uh, and, and, you know, in all four of them, and a couple of them, they didn't even score, you know, Florida and uh, Georgia. So uh, they just had a hard time scoring. And that, that puts a lot of pressure on their defense because you're looking at trying to win the game. And the only way you can is if you – keep the other team out of the end zone quickly and all, all, throughout the game, I mean. And uh, you, so you'd probably take more chances than you'd like to, knowing that if you give up more than two or three scores, you're probably going to lose. The other game in that same time slot, Georgia, the number one ranked team in the country, 3.30 Eastern time uh, until eternity, perpetually 3.30, not on CBS, I guess, uh, as that contract ends. But Georgia versus Florida in Jacksonville, uh, Brent, we talked about it on Tuesday, Coach, me and Rodney Nabolsi on UGA Sports Live. 
will be the grouping for the UGA Sports Watch Along show for Georgia and Florida this weekend. That starts at 3.20 Eastern time. Uh, so you can watch the game along with us, have it uh, have us on your second device, and the Georgia and Florida game on your main screen. What is catching your eye with Georgia versus Florida, Brent? Just watching, and I spent a lot of time over the past couple of days watching Florida, especially Florida's offense. If they don't play Anthony Richardson the entire game and give it to him either running or let him throw every single play, I, I don't think they have much of a chance. I, I just don't think they block well enough. I don't think they have good enough guys on the outside. I think Dan Mullen's going to scheme up a you know play, and they they do some really unique things from a play calling standpoint that you know have you like it's really going to test Georgia's eye discipline in their front six and and at the star position. But and they might get two three big plays, but I just don't see how they're going to have consistent enough offense because especially with Emory, if they play Emory Jones, if they play Emory Jones to me, they're asking to be down three touchdowns at the half. I, I just, I think that I really think that. Hey, that's a pretty decisive uh, talk by uh, Brent from the standpoint of uh, projecting the Gators. You know, the one thing you, that you always look at when you're coaching is respect all teams and fear none. You know, you've got to respect the fact that this Florida team has played some really good football against Alabama, uh, you know, uh, and dominated Kentucky, but penalties are part of the game, so you can't count that. So, uh, But their wins have been over some really poor teams. I mean, Vanderbilt, Florida, uh, you know, South Florida has won one game. Uh, Vanderbilt's won two. I mean, Florida Atlantic's probably, you know, a, a, a decent team. And then Tennessee is – Blossom in, as Brent mentioned in the opening, they've gotten better. But when they played Tennessee, Tennessee was just looking for identity at that point. They hadn't really just figured out who to play. So uh, I think just in a capsule here, it's just going to be, can Florida get explosive plays? Because you got to do that against Georgia. You're not going to march the ball on them. They're just too dominant up front. Can Georgia uh, do a good job of uh, converting – third down situations, which they did really well in 2019, 12 out of 18. Last year, they were two out of 13. So that's going to be the issue there because Florida's going to take some chances and, and make you have some low shortage plays. They lost that one linebacker, and they've changed their defense almost completely now. They're using more of a one linebacker scheme and doing a lot of stuff with the outside people moving around and and uh, that's why they get hurt when you put a hat on a hat. Their run support patterns aren't great because they're not standard run support because you're playing basically with one linebacker and five defensive backs. And, you know, they're a very poor tackling team. I mean, even Steve Stephen Orr Spurrier, the head ball coach, came out and said that. I mean, when he's talking about your tackling, then, you know, it's hard for you to not know that they're not a good tackling team. So, uh, I just think it's going to be a case of Georgia. You got to take care of business. You, you got the best team, but a lot of times the best team doesn't win. But, uh, you know, we've gone three straight games without a turnover. I mean, that's hard not to have at least one or two. Hopefully we won't. They've been turning the ball over like flapjacks. I mean, four turnovers against LSU. So can you meet the standard there and maybe uh, create a few and not – so you, from Florida standpoint, you got to get explosive plays, get some turnovers, have something happen in the kicking game, and then just hope Georgia 
in shooting his A game. If that happens, Georgia's going to win because uh, Georgia's got a better better overall team, special teams, offense, defense. You know what's funny about that, Coach, is you talk about the better overall team. If you look at the sort of major categories in the SEC, rushing yards, passing yards, receiving yards, sacks, tackles, interceptions, there's not a single Georgia player in the top five in any of them. Like it just goes to show sort of what the team aspect of what Georgia has done and how the ball is being distributed and then how all the work defensively is being distributed. But I will say from a Georgia's offensive perspective, like you talked, Coach, they have to sustain drives and they have to take advantage of the plays that are going to be there. Like that was the biggest story of the game of the Florida game last year was there were just, you know, Fitzpatrick's drop, two deep balls, one from Dewan, one from Stetson that just missed Kyrus and, and Demetrius Robertson. Same exact play. Like there was just open guys after open guys and plays that could have been made in that game that they just didn't. Can they do that this time? And then also – can you block number six and can you block number nine? Because those guys are good. That's Gervin Dexter and Zach Carter for, on Florida's defensive line. And, and especially in the guy that I'm going to be watching this game specifically is Cedric Van Pran. Because oftentimes now, like coaches said, they're going to this five-man front and they're putting Gervin Dexter right on right over top of the center. And, you know, LSU, I, he just didn't make plays, but he destroyed LSU center most of the entire game. So, you know, you block those guys. You hit the plays that are open, I think you're going to be just fine in this game. Yeah, and that's a good point you made about stats because I think sometimes uh, Georgia doesn't get the recognition it gets, and it goes down to this. Very seldom are we playing with any kind of stats in the fourth quarter. The games are usually over halfway through the third quarter at halftime, so we're playing a lot of different guys that, that, that don't help you with the stats as far as giving up yardage on defense, as far as not making – just running basic plays on offense. So it's hard for any of our guys to be among those guys. But that's a really good statement that you made. It's more – this is this is more of a team-oriented statistical team. But uh, I can tell you this. I watched our defensive front. Uh, I went over there to get a little treatment. Uh, uh, this week, and I was just walking by there, and uh, I mean, I I would hate to have to block those guys up front. I mean, I'm just walking by there, and it scares me to look at those guys. I mean, Carter, Davis, Walker, uh, Anderson. I mean, these guys, they cannot. They're not only physical, but they can flat out run. I mean, these guys, and and they are so. They so much want to annihilate the other side of the ball that, that it's just it's just a winning type atmosphere over there. That I just think, boy, you Florida's offensive line better better be be on its hump. I mean, th these guys are going to get after them pretty good. But you mentioned the one point there that Richardson can make a lot of things happen as an athlete. I mean, you know, the fact that he's hard to sack, the fact that he can make yardage. And if he gets in the open, he can show you his taillights, too. So he's either going to be really good or he's going to get knocked around Saturday. I think that's that's what it's going to end up being. Georgia defenders may not be in the top of a lot of statistical categories, but what you're seeing is more of these guys are finding their way in the first round of NFL mock drafts right now. Nicobe Dean being the latest one that's surging up draft boards, at least if you believe some of the guys that uh, do these mock drafts. And I know a lot of times that's media members that aren't informed, um, but Todd McShay talks to a lot of people, so I trust that one.
Yeah, but Todd McShay's been sick lately. You know, I mean, you know, just you know, he's he's been. I'm glad he's getting well, and and he hasn't had the time to study these guys. I think Nicobe's certainly going to be up there, but you know, the best shots we got are Anderson and uh, and Kendrick. Uh, you know, Davis maybe. Uh, you know, it's hard to tell where where he's going to go, but but we're going to. And you know, is Walker going to come out? Is Smith going to come out? I mean, what what's going? I mean. Uh, who's going to, from that standpoint, who's going to enter the draft? So uh, hopefully, uh, one thing good for us, Carter's got to stay one more year, so that helps. I, I did have a Florida note that I wanted to put out here, and it's because of just how quickly the narrative changes around these college football teams. LSU is the poster child for this, right, or maybe Auburn in some cases. But uh, when you look at Florida a month ago, they feel pretty darn good about where their football team is. Played Alabama really tough. There was a moral victory there. You kind of see the trajectory being like, okay, we're, we're building something here. That's coming off winning the SEC East last season. And now it seems like the fan base is split on Dan Mullen and his future there. Dan Mullen's conference win percentage since being the head coach at Florida, 73%. Urban Myers, 74%. Jim McElwain's, 73%. So Dan Mullen is like kind of right there in that same range, but Florida makes these decisions quick. So I think if there's any change with Mullen, it's not based on wins and losses. It's about things like recruiting. Yeah, I think you make a really good point there that, you know, it's what have you done for me lately? But in Dan Mullen's defense, because, you know, this is a Homer Georgia show, but I will say this. Those two losses against LSU really hurt him because they played a diminished LSU team last year, uh, and they had everything going for him. You know, I mean, just everything going for him, and then that just took everything going down. And then this year, I mean, this LSU team had less than sixty scholarship players, and they just looked woeful on defense. But but besides that, their four losses has been two to Alabama. One to to an Oklahoma team that was really good in, in the uh, in the bowl game, and then to Kentucky. So, you know, it's not like they're playing a bunch of uh, losing to a bunch of lily white teams. I mean, but those two losses to LSU just really signified. And then all of a sudden, you start having the, your best recruits decommit. That's a bad signal there. I mean, if I'm a, a alum and I'm watching this team and I'm saying, hey, well. We'll be okay. We're getting some good recruits. Hey, are we? Where are these? And then when they decommit and then go, which we're, we we think they're going to go to Georgia, that makes it even worse. Brett, are you going to give us a prediction of where you think this is heading in this game? I feel this feels very Kentucky game esque to me, where it's you know kind of back and forth, relatively close. Maybe there's a chance where like. Last, by the way, Florida against LSU, if they don't hit the Hail Mary before the end of the half, that game might end up getting really sideways. Uh, but, you know, where they kind of stay in it, and then in the second half, Georgia physically kind of just does its thing and, and eventually pulls away like it did against Kentucky. Reminder, you can watch Georgia versus Florida on your TV and then have us as your second screen experience will be on our UGA Sports YouTube channel and the Facebook page if uh, if that's where you watch us. So have us on your phone, tablet, laptop, wherever, and then you can sync it up. We'll do time cues and we'll get you synced up so you can listen to us instead of uh, Gary Danielson, who a uh, nice guy, but a lot of people don't necessarily enjoy his commentary. Uh, if you're a Georgia fan, we get it. You, you want... 
a team a, a team of people that follows this team every week. And that's what we are. That's what we do. That's what we, we provide with the UGA Sports Watch Along Show. I want to give a uh, shout-out to Connor Grading and Landscaping, our season-long sponsor of the Around the League podcast. And Brent texted me earlier in the week and said, you got to check out this website that they have going on here. And that's what I'm bringing to you here on this screen. Connor Grading and Landscaping, they say, let us help bring your vision to life in your yard. And Brent, I know some of these photos uh, caught my eye, especially I love the kind of before and after when you see the grading happening beside this pond here uh, and then some of the landscaping on the other side. You got the firsthand experience because they worked on your yard. Yes, very much so. And, and it's been looking good ever since as much as I can take as long as I take care of it. Uh, is the big thing as long as I do my part, they have they have 100% done their part. I just got to keep doing my part. But you know what what you're seeing there, especially what they've shown at the website, is a little bit of everything that they can do. Not just not just handling you know grass and yard. It's the landscapes. It's the fireplace, fire pits, putting greens. A little bit of everything uh, and anything that you want from your outdoor needs with them. I tell you, these retaining walls can really be a game changer for your yard, uh, not only just to maximize your space, but to keep it in good shape uh, with the different rain that we have around. So just go to Connor Grading and uh, Connor Grading and Landscaping's website. That's ConnorGrading.com, C-O-N-N-E-R. Check out their gallery. You can check out their uh, contact us page, their Facebook page and Instagram, all the different ideas that they have. You mentioned a putting green. Uh, there you go. How fun is that be for your backyard? That's impressive. Connor Grading and Landscaping. That's ConnorGrading.com. Again, we thank them for being a season-long sponsor of the Around the League podcast from UGASports.com. Third game in the SEC this week, we have number 10 Ole Miss at number 18 Auburn, and that is a primetime 7 p.m. Eastern kick on ESPN. Coach, this is one of those games that really determines uh, trajectories from here. Ole Miss Still uh, in the running in the SEC West, Auburn probably needing a win to stay ranked. What do you think Ole Miss and Auburn? Yeah, I think either one of these teams could win this game. Uh, and and the other thing, which sounds stupid, is either one of them could lose it too. By that, I mean just, uh, you know, play a really bad game like we saw last year. Uh, Ole Miss had those six turnovers against Arkansas and just stunk it up. Uh you know, it's a night game. Auburn's really got a lot of juice going right now. They feel good about their team. They had an open date. Ole Miss is just rolling. I mean, both of them got a lot of good vibes to them. I mean, there's no question about that. I just think Ole Miss has uh, got more weapons. I mean, they got better ways to hurt you. I mean, their receivers catch the ball. Auburn's receivers drop it. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes they catch it, but n not enough. And then they've got three really good backs that they can go to. They, they just spread the field out and make you play. And uh, this, this Auburn defense is a zone-oriented team that can't pressure much. And I just think Corral is just going to have all day to do whatever he wants to with those RPOs. Uh, how do you feel about that, uh, Brent? You, you watch them all the time a lot more than me. you got more access. But I think – that Auburn defense is going to really be the key of making something happen. And I don't see that happen. I agree. And it's, and what's interesting about it is, is since the loss to Alabama, look what Ole Miss has done on the ground against LSU last week, 266 yards against Tennessee, 279 against Arkansas, 324. You think about their offense. It's not always about spreading you out to throw the ball. 
Like their offense is really a run-driven offense that, hey, once you start playing the run, then we will throw it in behind you. And, you know, we look at even Corral. Corral has, I think, 31 carries for 344 over the last three weeks. The biggest thing for me with Ole Miss, and, or just this game in general, is that Ole Miss has now played, you know, three straight games of just sort of very physical games up and down the field. And then Auburn's coming off a bye week, has a little bit of rest. And what's interesting, you think about the quarterbacks in this game, you know, the SEC, not much from a quarterback standpoint going into the year, definitely not like last year with Mac uh, Jones and, and, you know, and some of the other guys that played quarterback uh, in the league that are now in the NFL. But, you know, Bo Nix now over the last three, last four weeks, third highest graded QB in the, in the league behind Hendon Hooker and, and Bryce Young. So you're getting now a lot more consistent quarterback play in the league overall. And that's leading to a lot better games. But like Coach said, and like or like Dane said, both of these teams, they kind of feel pretty good about themselves. Like, hey, I, we can still go win the SEC. You know, if Alabama gets tripped up by, you know, Auburn, Ole Miss is sitting right there. If, you know, Auburn wins out, they're like, hey, yeah, we went out, we're in the SEC championship. So both of these teams still have a ton to play for. It's going to be a great game to watch. And which team can actually, you know, I think if which team can stop the other thing, can Ole Miss play, keep playing defensively as well as it has over the past few weeks? And then can Auburn slow down Ole Miss's running game? I think that defense is about, about Ole Miss that, that's impressed me is the fact that their defense has made gargantuan strides from last year. And they when they have to make a play on defense, that they've started to do that. You know, it started out really poor against LSU, but – Stopped them on the goal line when it was seven to nothing, and LSU inexplicably didn't kick a field goal there. I don't know why they didn't. I think Coach O thought he was still playing at Ole Miss when he used to go for it all the time, but he, he didn't realize he was at LSU and he was on the road. But I mean, seriously, that was a really bad call by him not kicking that. But but I thought, getting back to my point, I really feel like Ole Miss just really adjust pretty well their staff they you know they really as the game progresses they get better defensively they got a feel for you and i don't get that vibe from uh, auburn you know i think um, that's one thing that's always kind of been a real thorn in the side of uh, you, you know of, of auburn uh, auburn's defensive coordinator has just had a hard time adjusting during the games as an sec head coach and as a and as a defensive coordinator, but uh, maybe he'll get some help. That, uh, but that just, and I think the big thing, though, to me, the Matt Corral just having one of those years, like you know, just everything he does just turns to gold. I mean, he's just playing like one of those seasons that you just can't, you know, you just dream about. And Nick's, hey, we keep thinking Rick, Nick's is going to go back to the old Nick's, but right now, like you say, he's playing extremely well, and uh, but. I just think, from my standpoint, Ole Miss got a little bit more weapons to, on the perimeter and with their running game that uh, they're, they're going to manufacture a lot easier points than where uh, whereas Auburn's going to struggle to get some of those big plays. Don't you think, Brent? I agree very much. Auburn has uh, won five in a row against Ole Miss, and Ole Miss has had some good offenses in that time. I think if, if this goes Ole Miss's way, it's exactly what y'all were saying is that the defense shows up uh, for the Rebels in a key spot. And I will say, I still think the Jordan-Hare Stadium is one of the toughest places to play in America. So this is a big, big test for Ole Miss and really kind of a resume game if they get out and win and survive Jordan-Hare Stadium because Auburn's going to be pumped up. And like you said, Coach, Bo Nick's playing well. 
He's not going to be the best quarterback on the field. That's for sure. Final game in the SEC. It is uh, one that I've been talking about for a while. 12th ranked Kentucky at Mississippi State. That's a 7 p.m. kick on the SEC network. If Kentucky has a path to that 11-1 that I've been talking about every single week on this show, it begins with getting through Mississippi State and then a showdown with Tennessee, which who knows how that could go. Coach, do you think that Mississippi State finds a way to derail what could be a, a special season for Kentucky? It's definitely possible playing down there with the cowbells and all that. I, I think it's something that uh, – here's the point. How did – we talked about these bye weeks. How did Kentucky handle it? I mean, here's the first time that they've ever been in that situation since Stoops has been there for like 10 days now. These kids have been walking around campus. Uh, their coaches have been out recruiting. Everybody's saying, boy, Mark Stoops doing a heck of a job. You guys are doing great. Well, oh, this is the best Kentucky team in a long time. And, hey, they should be getting those plaudits. I mean, there's no question that. But, you know, the reason they're there is they've been taking care of business and winning close games and doing the little things that are necessary, eliminating turnovers, gotten a lot better at doing, taking care of the ball and all that. Now, all of a sudden, if you get back to those old ways that you were playing early in the year because you're not bearing down because you had that routine and you were going week to week. So I look for maybe they might not be quite as uh, on, on in sync as they have been. And, uh, you know, the old Pirate, he really can manufacture a lot of things throwing the ball. Will Rogers, good good quarterback. And, uh, I, you know, Again, Kentucky's defense is not the one that really does that much on uh, playing the ball in the air and everything. I just think that they're going to have a hard time against a, a Mississippi State. And the other thing is Mississippi State's defense. You know, that corner is just unbelievable. What's in the Emerson? Just Emerson. really playing an unbelievable year for him. And uh, they got Will Rogers and Emerson. I think they got a good shot at winning this game. They're going to get somebody. They got Kentucky, then they go at Auburn, and then they get obviously the Egg Bowl to end the season. They're going to get one of those three teams. Uh, it's not. I, th I think definitively they win one of those three games. Now, which Maybe one more. is it? I mean, they have the and, talent to win two or even all three, frankly. Possibly more. But you, might, you know, you talk about the old pirate and you know the candy corn hater that is uh, Mike Leach. <laughs> um, how much did he? How much has he learned? How much has he learned as an SEC head coach? Because last year this was twenty-four to two. Uh, the game against Kentucky. So, you know, him now with another season, can you get somebody, you know, you got somebody on your home field. It's a night game, cowbells, all those sort of things. If you're Kentucky though, and you're the, you're like you said, Dane, an 11, one team and you're, this is a special year for you. You go win this game by 10 points. Like you, you go and take care of your business. You're getting, uh, you're getting your second best playmaker back, Josh Ali, you know, maybe Marquand or McCall on the defensive line plays again this week too, possibly after the bye. Those guys come back. If you, you know, if you are that team this year, you go win this game. Well, and Kentucky doesn't have the horses that Alabama does on defense, especially on the front. However, I do think that if you watch how Alabama attacked Will Rogers, it, it put on paper what you try to do. Now the question is, can Kentucky do a version of that that's successful? Yeah, I'm like Alabama. You know the difference. Uh, with some teams, though, everybody's got this M.O. now playing against the Pirate where they drop eight and, uh, you know, just take away a lot of stuff. And you just got to tackle the guy and keep him from the first down when they throw it in front of you. 
But the thing that Alabama was able to do is got, you know, Anderson just rushed the passer like unbelievable in that game and got those sacks like you mentioned and, and still rushing three and four. So uh, when you've got five or six guys protecting against three, you ought to be able to at least launch the ball, but they didn't do a very good job of that. But let's look, just call it like it is. I mean, they beat Texas A&M. Uh, they're very capable. Uh, they also lost to, uh, you know, and a really tough loss to Memphis, but uh, uh, they're playing at home. Kentucky's on the road. I mean, Kentucky's been on a kind of a charm life. They played five home games and one road game, and now they had to play Georgia, and it was different for them. You know, now they got to go down there. Let's see what they learned. I want to give a quick shout out to Connor Grading and Landscaping's new Instagram page and let everyone see it because I love that there's two things on it right now. Their logo and the Braves logo, which is just lovely for this time of year. So shout out to Connor Grading and Landscaping. Go follow them on Instagram at Connor Grading. Coach, I want to end the show by talking about one game that is not in the SEC, but is with uh, a guy that used to be in the SEC at a couple of locations, Mel Tucker and Michigan State against Michigan. Obviously a game with national implications. The winner of this, this game finds itself clearly on a path to, to the playoffs right there. Yeah, I mean, both of them still got to play Ohio State. And, you know, you got to beat Ohio State to win it because, you know, you get one loss and it's pretty much it. But I think Mel's done a terrific job. Uh, I had some conversation with him uh, last week. He was actually on a plane, getting ready to go on a plane to go recruiting. And he was talking about how big this Michigan game. They beat Michigan last year, I mean, at Michigan. Uh, he's got a lot of transfers. These kids have bought in. And, uh, the, by the same token, uh, this uh, Michigan team has really done a good job of throwing all the extra stuff out and not worrying about how everybody's getting on hardball and all that. They got some really good young players, and uh, their senior leadership's taken over. We got six new coaches, a lot of new life, and uh, it's just right now. I think Michigan's got a better overall team. But um, I'm pulling hard for Michigan State, for Mel Tucker. I, I think it's going to be uh, tough for them to win against the, the way Michigan's playing right now. But, you know, the, the, and, and the other thing that helps Michigan, they played a lot more tough schedule than the Michigan State. They really haven't played a lot of winning teams, have they, at this point. Brent, you can give us that. No, they haven't. And, and But I will say one thing they are doing is getting big-time explosive plays. And, and – a lot of that goes to credit one, the, the running back, the Walker kid from Michigan State is playing out of his mind uh, and breaking tackles left and right. Uh, but two, their offensive coordinator, you know, his former Georgia analyst, Jay Johnson. You know, so that guy's, you know, doing his thing and, and getting their offense where it needs to be. And, you know, they put up he struck a little bit of a struggle last week against Indiana. But, you know, I like you said, it, it's one of those games where almost to me, the first team to like 24 wins the game. Yeah. Hey, I give a shout out to Jay too. He's an outstanding coach, very loyal guy. He really helped Kirby smart, you know, when he was first starting here and, uh, and Mel's lucky to have him. And, and really you think about Wake Forest seven and Oh, can you believe if that kid was playing running? I don't know what happened there, but, uh, boy, I mean, that, that, that I watched a little bit of that army game. They had the ball for 17 minutes and scored 70 points. Uh, I mean, and their defense couldn't stop army, but just enough. They, they got a trick play on the field goal. They intercepted the pass, but 
at Wake Forest, Demon Deeks, they played Duke, Duke this week, and then they got North Carolina. I mean, I mean, this is a really unbelievable team. I remember back when uh, they they won the ACC before Jim Grove there back in like six, like 70, 69 or 70, had a quarterback named Russell and uh, was the first time they'd ever won it. And uh, But Wake Forest, I mean, you got to understand, that's that's a tremendous job that uh, Clawson's doing there, just a tremendous job. One quick thing on, on Michigan and Michigan State. There are a few games in college football every year that I really look forward to just because weird stuff happens. The ball bounces a different way for whatever reason. I always think of the Egg Bowl. That's that's my like pinnacle of, of college football weird. Florida LSU has some of that. And in the last decade, I think we've seen that with Michigan and Michigan State. Sometimes it hasn't been as competitive, so it's not an every year thing. But for whatever reason, there's some weird stuff that can happen in that game. So I'm excited to see that. And uh, let's just put it this way. Sometimes the ball just bounces funny, and the talent doesn't matter quite as much in those situations. It's whoever is paying attention. Right. And you talk about the, the some weird things happening in that stadium. Of these three people, who's the only guy in, the, in this list that threw a touchdown pass and Sparty in that stadium? Well, it ain't hey, me. Hey, when in 1965, an old coach up there going against uh, – as a sophomore going against those, uh, you know, Bubba Smith and some of those guys. I mean, I was just glad to get out of that place alive. Man, It was unbelievable. But we did get, I did hit a TD on him, uh, hit Wendell Coleman down a left hash for a big, big ball. See, if you're hitting TDs at Michigan state every year that you tell the story, you need to say that it snowed a little bit more and then it was a blizzard and you couldn't even see, you know, the player in front of you. No, I mean, the year we beat them was the year that, that they ended up tying uh, Notre Dame. They Notre played Dame. that game with Notre Dame. It was a tie game and everybody sent Eric Parsegian ties because he went for the tie, you know. And, uh, <laughs> but we were the only team to leave Michigan state the whole year to that game, but that's about all we did. We let them and they ended up beating us 24 to 10, but. So be it. Uh, it's going to be another exciting week in college football, another exciting week in around the league. And we are brought to you by Connor Grading and Landscaping. They're based in Monroe, Georgia. We've told you about them with their website and Facebook page. Just Google them. You'll see all the different things that they're popped up on, and you can get them to come out and check out your yard and determine what you can do to maximize your home tailgate. That's Connor Grading and Landscaping. We'll be back next week for Around the League. Week 10, fellas, the season is zooming by, and uh, when November strikes – that's, that's when those weird things that I love about college ball really begin to happen. For Brent Rollins and Jim Donnan, I am Dane Young. We will see you next week.